Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm going to talk to uh, Gerald Brown from Sirius XM NBA Radio. And we're going to kick this around a little bit. I'm going to kick around the whole playoff discussion a little bit and see where he is and what he's thinking about. And we'll find out. Okay? We will find out. Hello. There he is, Mr. Brown. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine yourself, Howard. Can't complain. Nobody cares, you know. (laughs) Ain't that the truth. (laughs) Uh, So what people do care about, certainly NBA fans, is the play-in starts tonight. And, you know, there's there's, um, two schools of thought on the play-in. Most people, me included, I like the play-in tournament. Uh, Some people don't, but, you know, if you don't have anything to complain about... (laughs) <laughs> it wouldn't be a good day. But I think it's worth talking about, and, and we're taking a bite out of the Big Apple now and talking about the Nets, who before the season started, they were projected to be a team that would challenge for the championship with Harden, Durant, and Irving. That didn't bear fruit. Harden gets traded to Philadelphia, basically forced his way out of Brooklyn, and here we are now with the Nets having to climb the road in a hard way First dealing with a Cleveland team. Everybody thinks they're going to beat Cleveland easily. I'm not so sure. I think with Darius Garland and the rest of that Cavs squad, with or without Jared Allen, I think they pose a threat. They pose a threat, but you know what? I think that I would lean towards the Nets' um, experience, you know, veterans, leadership, and, you know, guys that have been there. I think, you know, with Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, look, they're very, very talented. But I don't think that clearly, you know, them making it to the playing tournament obviously is a win-win situation for Kobe Altman and everybody with the Cavs front office. Uh, I, I just think that with a healthy Jared Allen, it would have posed somewhat of a threat. But uh, I, I don't see the Nets really having a problem, a huge problem with the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, you look at Kevin Durant and what Kevin Durant is. Look, Jokic is probably going to win the MVP in the battle with Embiid. But I'd put Durant right up there with the two of them because he is clearly a full load to defend. And he's going to be a problem for Cleveland, as we expect. And then again, so is Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I think it matches up very well in the favor of the uh, the Nets, you know, in terms of... You know, just the fact is they have a lot of guys. They have guys in Kyrie Irving and, and, and Kevin Durant that have been there and done that, you know, won championships. They've played deep in the playoffs. So their playoff veteran leadership will lean heavily, and they, they just, pretty much the Nets expect to lean heavily on those two guys just based upon what they've been able to do 
uh, in the past and stuff. And like I said before, when you look at the, the, the Cavs, look, it's been a great season for them. I mean, nobody, I don't think anybody had expected this team to be in a situation that they could possibly be a, a potential playoff team and let let alone a team heading in the right direction. So I think they're just playing with house money. But, I mean, clearly Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving really is the reason why you have them here at moments like this. It's just unfortunate that it's the playing tournament as opposed to the, uh, the regular uh, playoffs. Gerald Brown, Bottom Line Sports Show on Sirius XM NBA Radio. So, assuming they get by Cleveland, they would play Brooklyn, uh, two versus seven, and it should have been Milwaukee, but let's be real. Milwaukee tanked the other night, so they wouldn't have to face Brooklyn, Um, and nobody can convince me they didn't. They didn't play Antetokounmpo, they didn't play Middleton, Uh, Drew Holiday played, but I I think he played like eight seconds. Uh, I mean, they they clearly tanked that game, and I'm wondering why the NBA didn't, didn't penalize them. Well, you know, I, I would have, you know, again, I, I agree with you, Howard, to a certain extent, but look at the Dallas Mavericks and what they got in returns in regards to uh, deciding to play uh, Luka Doncic. You know, I mean, that's an unfortunate situation going into the playoffs. So it's a, really a crapshoot. But uh, in any other situation, I probably wouldn't argue with that. But, I mean, obviously, when you look at what's happened to Doncic, you're saying, well, you know what? This is one of the reasons why we decide to not play guys in certain situations, especially when at the end of the day, we don't want to risk anybody getting hurt uh, long term. Gerald, the beginning of the season, as I mentioned, the Nets were a favorite to win a championship with their big three. It didn't work out that way, but it's not impossible to, to assume that they can still go deep into the playoffs, although the road is harder. Uh, let's look at a, pot, a potential Nets uh, Boston Celtic series uh look you're dealing with jason tatum and jalen brown but they won't have robert williams and that's a big loss for the celtics yeah that's a big difference maker i mean clearly you know it's so funny it's kind of like the tale of two uh two seasons and one for the boston celtics where they got off to a horrendous start you remember marcus smart was complaining saying hey look jalen brown and, and jason tatum was really looking like they were just focused on getting numbers and then just, uh, again, the search for a big man, and all of a sudden, lo and behold, Robert Williams establishes himself as this sort of force with them and, and plays well. And now with him without that, with, uh, without him with that knee injury, it's going to be tough. But I think the key thing will be who can play defense consistently in this series because we know both teams can be able to score, but it's just a question in perimeter defense and who will be able to make stops when they really count is the team that possibly will look to advance and have the edge in the series. Uh, Gerald, we both know, being around the NBA for a long time, that teams that score a lot and don't defend usually don't win titles. But I'm looking at this Nets team. There's a possibility they could get Ben Simmons uh, at some point in the Boston series. Now, what Ben Simmons provides primarily is that he's an excellent defender. And not only is he an excellent defender, but that can have a carryover effect on the rest of the squad because I don't think Kevin Durant's a bad defender either. No, I don't think he's a bad defender. But, you know, I I don't subscribe to this theory, Howard, that Simmons, who hasn't played pretty much a whole season, he hasn't played any games a whole season, 
He's dealt with a herniated disc in his back. And then all of a sudden, you're going to put him in a series and expect him to have some type of significant impact when you have the playoffs on the line. I, I just think that that is, that is un- I can't believe that. And that's where I'm struggling with this whole thing with Ben Simmons. I think, if anything, maybe that's just to... You know, I don't know. Make the bet, let us let the betters know, or really, you know, kind of have Boston or Cleveland or Boston if they pass by Cleveland. That you know, hey, just be on the lookout and prepare for them. But I just don't know how much you can expect of an impact from Ben Simmons when he hasn't played a whole year, and to put him in a situation in no situation and expect uh, you know a positive results. I think that's really asking for uh, asking for a lot for a guy. Remember, the last time he was on the court, it wasn't producing in a positive way. All right, but can we count on Andre Drummond not to provide the the big stopper in the paint, but he gives them some size in the middle. He can score. He's an outstanding rebounder, and the addition of Seth Curry also, who's nursing a sore ankle. Uh, I mean, he can drill it from deep, as we both know. So he does gives them give them another weapon, and so does Drummond. Is it enough for this team to go deep into the playoffs and maybe get to the Eastern Final? I don't know to the Eastern Finals. I think that obviously the, the further they move along, you're going to match up with teams that will pretty much be able to lock in defensively, that will have a presence, and really try to slow the game down. And then it's a question of, again, you know, really relying heavily on, uh, on Kyrie as well as KD. Who's going to be that third option? I mean, uh, Seth Curry really, really adds that element. But guys like Patty Mills and Andre Drummond, those are the guys that you're really, really going to have to say are the difference makers in a series. What productivity that the Nets get from their bench will be huge in this series. And that's just a big if, especially the deeper you get into the playoffs. Well, let's not forget, they've got another wild card in Bruce Brown, who can fill it up from deep who does play pretty good defense and has come alive the last few weeks of the season. Yeah, Bruce Brown has played well. Uh, I mean, you know, again, he's played well and he's had those moments and stuff. But, uh, you, you know, Howard, uh, I mean, again, that inexperience, and, I mean, it can make you or break you, those, uh, those spotlights. And those bright lights, I've been told at times, you know, if you stand in that bright light too long, it'll stain your suit. But, It'll be interesting to see if Brown can be that sort of guy, especially as they move along. And then question is, how can they, if they, if they can remain healthy? You know, last year that Kyrie Irving ankle injury right. happens at the most inopportune time. That really caused the out, uh, outcome of the series against the Milwaukee Bucks. So Bruce Brown can play a role, but I just give the edge to the other teams in there. I just they can't think they come up a hair short unless you're going to get some type of Herculean effort from both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. He's Gerald Brown from the Bottom Line Sports Show on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Uh, when you look at the East, Miami is on top, and they've got the number one seed. Uh, they are an excellent defensive team coached by an excellent defensive-minded coach in Eric Spolstra. Uh, Butler uh, has... has has played the way they wanted him to play out of biogism, big, big uh, offense and rebounding. And then you got Tyler Hero, who comes off the bench, and it's not unusual to see him score over 20 points coming off the bench. 
No, I mean, you know what? Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, Hero has been really a guy that last year a lot of people, you know, really were just down on him. I mean, in the bubble, he looked like a guy that was clearly a franchise player. And, you know, he has rebounded very, very well. And, you know, it just seems like, you know, with the Miami Heat, their M.O. has always been, you know, they're going to be a team that's going to be that middle-of-the-pack team. They're relying heavily on their defense. And they have just enough scoring to get them past maybe the first, let alone the second round. But as you advance, who's that number two solid score that's going to be behind, you know, uh, Jimmy Butler? You know, is it going to be Bam Adebayo? Is it going to be a Tyler Hero? You know, I think that has always been the case. And just with them, it's, you know, at some point, your offense is going to have to show up. But we know that they're well-coached, their defensive, you know, prowess is really going to make a difference. But as you advance, when you have guys that can be multiple scorers and a team that can score, that is always the difference with them. So I, I like Miami in terms of the accomplishments they had this season, but uh, I, I think it's kind of by default that they're number one seed. I don't really look at them and say, hey, they have enough, especially perimeter scoring, that is, right. that they are a big difference in terms of the playoffs. Look, the, the, it's inconceivable to me that Milwaukee, the defending champion, is going under the radar. Clearly, look, if, if I had a, you could you could say that a lot of teams in the East have warts, some kind of an award, whether it's the mm-hmm. Celtics without Robert Williams or, or the Nets uh, without Ben Simmons or uh, Miami with that other, that other scorer. Milwaukee doesn't have any warts. They've got Antetokounmpo, who is an MVP fav- an MVP candidate. They've got Middleton, who goes under the radar because all he does is play outstanding basketball. And then you got Drew Holiday. I think the Bucks and people are not giving them enough credit. They're the defending champions, and they're not getting the respect they deserve. Howard, I'm right with you on that one. I think clearly, look. In some cases, I, I, I really believe that Giannis is right up there in terms of that MVP race. And think about this, Howard. This is a guy that won an MVP, def- Defensive Player of the Year, was in, is an NBA champion. And yet you look at his game and you're saying that, again, with the development skills and stuff like that that's lacking in the areas, he's been able to accomplish all of that. And the interesting thing especially against, I think it was against the Brooklyn Nets, he has been able to now start shooting that perimeter jump shot. He's having more confidence. It's going in now. And he's adding more to his offensive repertoire as opposed to just being a guy that, you know, Miami could put the wall up and they will try to look and stop him and have his struggles at the free throw line. They have been a team that clearly – Maybe they've gone under the radar because I don't think that they felt compelled or needed to do so to get out the gate and get off to this fast, momentous start to start the season and stuff and and let people know there wasn't any hangover. I think they've done a great job in managing the season, being able to add a couple of pieces here and there. I love Serge Ibaka with his team. And then you bring back, you know, Brooke Lopez and him healthy along with Drew Holiday another year in that system and the setup. And then, like you mentioned before, the underrated player, Chris Middleton, they are a team that I would not be surprised how it comes out of the Eastern Conference just based upon the fact it's been there, done that, and they know how to handle all the expectations. I agree. He's Gerald Brown of the Bottom Line Sports Show on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Uh, It's interesting 
to know if I can step away from the playoff conversation and talk about two teams, uh, the Lakers and the Knicks. They've got one thing in common. Well, they've got a couple of things in common. Number one, they've both been disappointments. Uh, Frank Vogel gets fired yesterday as a coach of the Lakers. Personally, I think the Lakers fired the wrong guy. It should have been Rob Palenka, the general manager. Frank Vogel, two years ago, coached him to an NBA championship. What, in two years he's become stupid all of a sudden? I, I'm just not. I think that, that he was he's the scapegoat. And it's unfortunate because the, the Lakers were put together with, with bailing wire and chewing gum. That was a terrible roster, right? I agree with you. I think clearly, look, we both know that, unfortunately, teams don't fire players. They fire coaches, and it's unfortunate that he was made out to be the lame duck coach. I mean, I had argued and thought it was unfair that a couple of weeks back, Magic Johnson was pretty much already going on national TV and saying that, you know, you Frank Vogel inevitably was going to get fired. And it's not like he had talent sitting on the bench and not playing them. He had a team that was void of really good talent and, and, and really guys past their prime, a team that struggled with perimeter defense, and he was made the scapegoat. And, you know, Rob Palenka, he, he avoids the sort of uh, the chopping block, if you will. But clearly the, the wrong guy was uh, let go. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised that he gets another opportunity. But it wasn't his fault that he, this team he was put that was put together. And, I mean, you know, I, I think kind of in the situation, he might have known this situation going into it. Thus, that's why he only had a three-year deal. He did get an extension because of this, uh, the, the NBA championship. But they had to get at least to the NBA finals once again, or at least damn near close to it for him to be able to receive and retrieve his job and not be in a situation where he was fired. I, I said there was a lot of similarities between the Lakers and the Knicks. Let me take a bite of the Big Apple here. You look at the Knicks, and Leon Rose, their president, did a sit-down interview with Mike Breen, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before. Uh, it, it, was, um, it was a puff piece. Let, let's, be, let's be real. Leon Rose has ignored the fans and the media pretty much for the entire year. Uh, so that's part of his job to, to inform the media and inform the fans. He didn't do it. He stayed away from press conferences. He didn't even give it after the season was over. He should have been standing up there saying, here's what we didn't do. Here's what we're going to do. Give the fans something to bite on. And he didn't do it. So if Vogel was fired and it should have been Palenka, I don't know if Thibodeau is going to get fired. Probably not. But I think Leon Rose has got some explaining to do because I thought he did a horrible job. They should have traded Julius Randle at the trade deadline. They could have gotten a fair amount for him. They didn't do it. Now I, I expect that he's going elsewhere if they can get the right deal because they've got to make room for Obi Toppin as a power forward. Yeah, I mean, they, they have a lot of issues. And, you know, it, it's clearly... You know, again, some explaining to be done. And look, you know, how we've been there and, and, and done this in the Knicks, and we know that, you know, inevitably, if this thing doesn't turn around, and I mean, a lot of the voices and stuff like that continue to basically, you know, uh, really complain and really shout out the, 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 the uh, you know, the issues that plagued the, the, the Knicks this year, 
it just seems apparent that Dolan would come in and kind of save the day and say, hey, look, we're moving on from Leon Rose. It didn't work out, you know, from the Julius Randle contract, which I think he might have had to do to the lack of movement at the trade deadline. I think the saving grace is, look, you got Obi Toppin, who's played very well down the stretch. R.J. Barrett is a guy that perhaps you're going to be able to build around. You got draft picks. And now it's just a question is they're not starting essentially from rock bottom, but someone is going to have to answer for some of these issues. But make no mistake, Leon Rose is on the clock, and they got to do something, you know, this 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 off season to perhaps win that fan base back. Because if not, I don't think Leon Rose makes it out of the, uh, the first half of the season next year. Uh, good point there. So they, they they could trade. They get Fournier and Kemba Walker. The Kemba Walker side of the trade was a disaster. Um, Fournier had a pretty good year shooting the three. Um, but you look at the rest of the roster, um, you know, uh, I think Burks is, is worth keeping. I think Quickly is worth keeping. I don't know if Quickly can be uh, the starting point guard because he's not – a pass-first type of guy. I mean, he's a, he's very active. He's very exciting. He's fearless. Uh, so I think he's a key player on the team. But still, they are forever and a day, all we talk about with the Knicks over the last 25 or 30 years, they're going to get the next superstar. And it never happens. I mean, the only time they acquired anybody that was considered a star player was Carmelo Anthony. But not since then. And this charade of... We're going to get this guy, and we're going to get that guy, and it never happens. Yeah, that's been their M.O., and I think, you know, look, some of it has really relied on some of the decisions that they have decided to make. In the past, you mentioned about Carmelo Anthony. They rushed to jump the gun and decided to go ahead and trade for him when there was reports that he was going to come there. Uh, you know, and I think also, how if, if we look at it, and this might sound a little crazy, I don't think there's a lot of players that wanted to come to New York simply because the fact is, as much as we can say, yes, there are issues within the organization that they have gone through over and over. I would not dispute that at all. However, the team has not won a championship in God long, God knows how long, if it, you know, won a championship, but the expectation and the pressure of playing in New York City, it's a big difference we both know Howard, then playing in Brooklyn, then playing in New York, where you got the constant media and the expectation where fans will celebrate like last year, they made the playoffs and just making the playoffs, they had so much expectation. So I think a lot of players really shied away from that. But, you know, it's, it's still got to be something in terms of they got to try to figure it out because you know, I had a guy, I have a friend of mine who works in the NBA and longtime NBA uh, front office person. He said, you know, the way you build a franchise, a championship franchise, you got to, A, you got you to gotta make sure you get the right players in free agency. B, you got to draft and develop those guys. And C, you got to be able to either trade and you got to make sure you hit on those areas. And you look at the teams that have won from the Milwaukee Bucks, the, the drafting of Giannis Antetokounmpo, the trading of, of, of uh, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, and just the development of Giannis and just the other pieces around him. 
from, you know, Dante DiVincenzo that's not there anymore, but Pat, Pat Connaughton. So they've done that, you know, and, and that is the way you're able to win uh, consistently in the NBA. And I don't know if the players really want to buy into that because of the pressure that goes along with playing in New York. Uh, you know, a lot of it, look, it starts at the top with ownership. They bring in Phil Jackson a few years ago. Jackson, great coach. Never had any experience as an administrator. And so he set the franchise back three or four years. Now you bring in Leon Rose, a great agent. Connections to a lot of players. He was Tom Thibodeau's agent. So, I mean, look, he had connections to people. That doesn't make you a great administrator. And before the season started, they had a ton of cap room to go out and get, and get a player. And they didn't do it. So it wasn't like... From the trade deadline, things fell apart. It was at the beginning of the season. They put together, and I firmly believe, Gerald, that uh, this last season was a mirage. Yeah, they finished fourth, but then they got a rude awakening when the Atlanta Hawks took them apart and beat them in five games in the playoffs. So the, 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 I think the fans were disillusioned with what happened last year. They expected that, oh, now we're going to the next level. We're going to go from fourth to contending for a title. That was ridiculous, and it was it was foolish. So now they're paying the price. Uh, is it is it impossible to fix it? No. But I think Leon, I don't know if Leon Rose is the answer. Yeah, they, they, it just hasn't been a patient organization when, you come, when it comes down to it. They have always lacked the patience to continue to build. And we're seeing it's clearly evident. It, you cannot build exclusively through the draft you know, and, and, and I think what makes matters worse for Leon Rose, look, he struck two first free agent signings in Evan Fournier and, 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 and Kimber Walker. And I will give Evan Fournier a pass because, again, it's a work in progress. But uh, I, I think that clearly when you look at a guy like Kimber Walker, that, that was just totally bad, you know, and yep. really, really lost a lot. In regards to you know his 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 health and productivity, you know it, it, they got to figure it out. And I don't know if draft picks. I mean, maybe make a move, another move with Atlanta. Uh, John Collins is going to be out there, but they still got some issues in terms of Mitchell Robinson. What are you going to do with him? You mm-hmm. mentioned about Obi Toppin, R.J. Barrett. You know those guys are going to need contract extensions, and you got to figure out what you're going to do with them, as well as Emmanuel quickly. And then you, you, you trade it for Cam Reddish. Well, Cam Reddish is going to be looking for a payday, too. What are you going to do with him? So they're in a very precarious situation simply because the fact is guys are at that stage where they're looking for the contract extension. And we all know, Howard, not everybody can get paid. So that's going to be the biggest decision, once again, for Leon Rose and the Knicks front office. Uh, let's Before I let you go, I think – my feeling right now, it's a gut feeling. Look, Phoenix had the best record of any team in the NBA, and it wasn't even close. They were they had a nine-game cushion. Uh, I see Phoenix going to the Western Final against who? I think they're going to they're going to wind up going up against Memphis. I think John Morant and that crowd of young players is a full load to handle. Uh, in the East, I think Milwaukee's going to the Eastern Final, uh, and I think they're going to wind up going up against. Uh, uh, against Brooklyn, believe it or not. And I think Milwaukee emerges. I think Phoenix emerges. And it's going to be a repeat of last year's finals. Only this time around, I think 
Phoenix is going to get the, is going to get the crystal ball. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think that the difference is, you know, having the size to really sort of, in a sense, throw multiple bodies at Giannis. Phoenix did uh, didn't have last year where it was DeAndre Ayton and that's it. But now you have Phil McGee, you have Bismarck Biombo. I think that you can have that, and hopefully, you can have a healthy uh, Chris Paul be out there and be able to sort of play it at the level that he has uh, been able to play. I, I think that's the key thing. You know, we saw a lot of injuries at, at crucial at crucial moments factor in for teams' success or lack thereof. You know, with with Memphis, look, they look really good. But I've always leaned aired on the side of caution how when you have young teams that have not been there before, and now, you know, the regular season sometimes is kind of a mirage because, yeah, they were very tough at home. They got up and down the court. Again, you saw Desmond Bain really step out. John Morant is John Morant. We all know that. But I just question if they're able to be able to have that success once again of not being there. And now the expectation is, look, they were the team that benefited the most when Chris Paul had the injury. And also, they benefited from Golden State, really, again, having so much of a struggle in the second half of the season. So I just question, you know, what will they be able to do? And if they are able to get to that Western Conference Finals, how much of a, a challenge will it be for them, uh, it, it, you know, in, in these playoffs and stuff like that? You know, will they be extended to some six and seven games in a series? Uh, that's the biggest thing, you know, because uh, what they did in the regular season, it was great up and down the court. But we all know our teams will make you start to do things that at the end of the day, you don't feel and seem very comfortable with. They shrink the court. Now you have to operate in a half court set. Will they be disciplined or will they revert back to trying to just force the action? That is the biggest question I have for Memphis uh, in, in regards to them and having success in the, uh, in the postseason. No, I share your concerns, too, about Memphis. They haven't been there, and you don't know what it's like until you get there. Uh, that's all true, but I just think that they've they got so much talent, and they got a bunch of young, eager legs uh, that that want to just they, they want to challenge you. The, Golden State's the interesting story because they have the pedigree of being to a championship, and, but the injury factor is so big for this team. We don't know if Steph Curry's okay, uh, Clay Thompson's okay, Draymond Green's okay. Uh, they've got uh, they've got the tools, uh, but I don't know if they have the health to go deep into the playoffs. Yeah, that's the thing, and you know, Howard. Um... I spoke with somebody, a former Golden State Warrior player, who told me that, you know, the difficulty and the challenges that align with the Warriors this season is they have the replacements for some of their stars already on the team. Right. And now it's just trying to sort of, again, mix and match. Because, look, Jordan Poole has played phenomenal. Uh, you had guys like Valencia, Juan Toscano Anderson, They've played well, but this team has struggled on the defensive side. And, you know, I don't know how that's going to work itself out come playoffs, but uh, this might be the last hurrah or somewhere down the line, really in the near distant future, that you're going to see a situation where inevitably the, the, the stars that the replacements to the stars are already there on that team and just trying to figure out how to do so and, 
You know, this is a team, like I said before, defensively, they just haven't played any defense. You know, that has been their huge struggle. And now Steve Kerr is trying to figure out ways to be able to implement some of these young guys, Jonathan Kamiga, Jordan Poole, Juan Toscano Anderson, to name a few of those guys, and still balance the act of still making sure you're able to rely on your stars and, you know, Draymond, Steph, and Clay as well. Western final, who you like? I, I didn't hear you say it again, Howard. Western final, who do you like? Well, I, I mean, I can't go wrong with picking Phoenix, but I you know, I, I want to pick Memphis. I really, really do. It's just something that scares me about them. But I'd say, for argument's sake, I would say Memphis. It really scares me. I think that, again, it's it's going to be an experience for them. Kind of like, you know, their, their makeup in someone, and granted, they caught fire and they stayed consistent the entire season. But they remind me somewhat, Howard, of the uh, Atlanta Hawks last year, you know? Mm-hmm. Even though they got hot the second half of the season and, you know, their young players just really, really played well. And um, I, I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to say for argument's sake, I'm going to go with Memphis as well. What about in the East? East, I got Milwaukee and I got Philly. Okay. I got, I got Milwaukee and Philly. I think that, you know, listen, Joel Embiid has had an unbelievable season. I know Doc Rivers, you know, some have said that, hey, you know, he's got one foot in and one foot out already trying to see if he can get back to L.A. and perhaps with that Lakers job. But I think that with Embiid and really having Embiid really be healthy and, you know, if you could get a lot out of Tobias Harris and stuff to go along and hard and really get it going, I, I like them being in that conference finals, but not a good matchup against the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm going to say something that you're probably going to go, what? You're an idiot. I think Toronto's, I think Toronto's beating Philly. You know, you know, Howard, I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that. And the thing about this year's NBA playoffs is the fact is that if you look at the Eastern Conference from maybe top to all the way down to 7-8, it is a really gauntlet. When you look at the Eastern Conference, I think Toronto is still going to be very good. And, I mean, this is a team that dealt with some injuries, but they're long. You know, Pascal Siakam, he's been there, done that. You know, uh, they have some pieces that could really cause some problems. And look, Nick Nurse and that whole mindset there, they're going to play defense. But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, when you look at the Eastern Conference compared to the West, the Eastern Conference is very, very much more tougher than the uh, the Western Conference. Yep. Western Conference is very top-heavy. Eastern Conference, it's going to be a gauntlet. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. If Toronto beats Philly, you know, especially when the situation where some of these guys who are not vaccinated and able to, uh, not able to be able to play up in Toronto. Well, Thibault is the guy you're talking about. He, he won't be able yeah. to play. Uh, appreciate your insight, Gerald, taking a bite of the Big Apple. Yours truly, Howard, David, and, and don't forget, you stay safe. Thanks. You do the same. Always a pleasure. Thanks again, Howard. He's Gerald Brown, Bottom Line Sports Show on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Quick parting word about the Brooklyn Nets. I'm pulling for Durant. I really am. Because he's put this team on his shoulders through all of the Kyrie Irving saga, through the James Harden buying his way out of Brooklyn. He's been the one constant. And he doesn't say a word. He just goes out there and knocks your jock in.
And as for the Knicks, it's not going to be an overnight fix of their problems. They've got a lot of issues to deal with. And they don't have any high draft picks either. So the big key is free agency. The big key is filling a needed point guard. And another key, you got to re-sign Mitchell Robinson. Got no offensive game. All he does is dunk. But he's a glass eraser. He's a shot blocker. He's a rim protector. And he's worth it. And if they're not going to pay him, somebody else will. You folks say stay. Thanks for taking a bite of the Big Apple with yours truly, Howard David. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Again, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.